Welcome to Sundial. I'm Wilkin Brutus. Carlos Frias is out today. Think of a place that's meaningful to you in South Florida. Mine is Lake Worth Beach in Palm Beach County. I do a full body, early sunrise meditation, and then a light exercise as shorebirds chirp in the sky. I reset my mind, giving thanks to all of the things that I'm grateful for. You know, family, friends, health. Talking to myself and flirting with nature seems to temporarily ease my anxiety about societal issues that are stressing everyone out. Foresta Tusi doesn't just want you to think about the places that are meaningful to you, Foresta wants you to visit them. In doing so, you might not only encounter peace and tranquility, but you might encounter a time capsule of messages directed to you. Their augmented reality or AR project called Voice Memos for the Future brings the sentiments and stories of South Florida residents to a number of nature parks in our area. The historic Virginia Key Beach, it was the first colored only beach and before that there was no safe spot for black people to swim at and that opened up in 1945 and that area the current is really strong so already it wasn't the, the safest beach but um, obviously people the people were happy that they finally had a space in Miami where they can swim. They reflect on the love they feel for these places they call home also their thoughts and anxieties about the future here. I'm 26, you know, by the time I'm 30, I want to like buy property, like I want to like set up my roots somewhere that is like stable. And like, as I keep considering that, I'm like, maybe Miami's not the place for me, you know, like that ecological aspect of it is like really the main reason why. And people who come here, like the developers, you know, like they don't give a about this place. They just come to suck it dry of its money and its tourist economy and then dip. Through an app on your phone, you can find and listen to more of these audio time capsules. Foresta is an art professor at Florida International University, and it's not the first time Foresta works with AR, audio, and nature. They've also led local kayak outings for Water Radio Project. Foresta joins us now to tell us how nature has inspired their life's work. Foresta. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm always high on life, high on nature at this point, right? <laughs> How, how's your spirit today? I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, I just came from work. It's uh, it's art week coming up next week. So as art and artist, that's a big deal. Um, I'm This project that we're going to talk about is part of Filmgate, and that just launched last night. So, yeah, it's very busy. I guess that's, what, busy. that's the short answer. And, and that traffic is going to be pretty disrespectful oh, as yes. well. Oh, yes. Things will, you'll notice something's <laughs> happening. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, and so I mentioned uh, Lake Worth Beach in Palm Beach County as sort of my special place that I go to whenever I need to, you know, find a place to relax, reset my mind. Um, can you describe your special place here in Miami? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I have several. Um, so I didn't grow up here. And when I came here, like, just, it's just, a, as, as someone who loves um, plants for in particular, it's just a wonderful place to be because there's so many plants that we know of at, as quote unquote indoor plants that just thrive outside here. Um, the place I gravitate to for like when I go 
I, I have an outing that I do with my spouse every month on the full moon. We call it Full Moon Saloon. Ooh. <laughs> and it basically just means having a picnic out on the beach with your friends and having um, fun drinks. Uh, and that's at North Beach. Like, we'll go to the beach around the band shell or the, there's a library at North Beach. So we watched the moon rise there a few times. When it, you, wait, 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 yes. wait, when did you start this? Because now I'm interested. Oh. <laughs> well, it started because we kept, we we're always like uh, spitballing different ideas for small businesses that will never actually happen. And one of them was um, a bar that serves non-alcoholic drinks um, for people who don't drink alcohol, but still want to go out and have fun. And that was the, that was the saloon part of it. And then the full moon is just like amazing in South Florida because you we just have like this amazing view. Like there's a reason why there's, you know, moons over Miami <laughs> is like a, a thing. It's it's truly different from other places I've lived where maybe it's always cloudy and you can't see it. And here you have the open expanse of the ocean and then also just like, yeah, great, great moon views very often. So... I didn't I didn't know that I was going to talk about that one. I, <laughs> that one just came to mind just now, but I could yeah. name like I could just keep going with places that are special to me here. And and you have uh that relationship with plants. So do I. I'm in a very intimate relationship with my plant wives. I call them my I'm a plant husband, Freshta. I yes, don't know if that's yes. a term that people are used I, to. I I like that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. I have three plant wives at home. Um, I have a, a white bird of paradise. I have my Swiss cheese plant. <laughs> um, and, and I like low maintenance plants that I can kind of like go without watering for a quite, quite some time, but I make sure I take care of them. But anyway, that's a topic for another time. Um, you it have seems new... very re relevant. <laughs> yeah, very relevant, especially in terms of like, uh, being at one with nature, whether you're indoor or outdoors, you know, um, you have a new project that, you know, caters to the outdoors to some extent called voice memos for the future. Uh, a few of the memos, uh, they sound like uh, a time capsule uh, for the community. Tell me about this new project that uses AR technology to kind of illuminate the importance of nature as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yes, the project is called Voice Memos for the Future. It's premiering at, as part of Filmgate, uh, the 10th anniversary festival that's that just launched this week. Um, it did start earlier this year um, as a part of a residency I did with a pro project called Artist as Archivist. So I was invited by Anita Sharma, who runs this organization, WAM, to do a project where we, as an artist, like we have a different idea about what archives might be or how they could live. And I was really interested in this idea of like what it would mean to take things that could be like an oral history archive of stories of people in this area and put them outdoors. And so I can talk more about the whole process leading up to it, but it ended up being this project, which is that you can listen to different stories of the, of the six people I interviewed in specific locations around um, South Florida. And they, the, all the people who I interviewed, the six, the six individuals I interviewed, they are the ones who chose the locations. Um, and you can only hear them if you happen to be in that place, because I thought it would be really 
like if you're talking a, if you're telling a story about why a place is special to you it's kind of uh, cool to try to get someone to actually go there and be sitting there or standing there while you're talking about while that person is talking about it in your ear and mm. your headphones you're also um, standing in the same place that they're talking about so so I want to ask you about the the intricacies of doing that the, the actual details of actually listening to the audio in those physical places sure. um, and that's going to require explaining AR versus virtual reality yes, right we'll yes, get to yes. that but uh, what are those actual places um, uh, which are, are they parks are they beaches yeah so it um, everyone so I just said you know uh, choose a place that's special to you and so uh, the six places that the six different uh, people chose, uh, which when I mean, we heard some of those at the top of the show, um, the the voices, and I'd love to talk more about those people. Uh, it's from the south of the county. It starts at um, Biscayne National Park. So Blanche Spinner talks about um, being a high schooler and going to the, to the park. Um, we also have a spot at Crandon Park, and. Kasia Williams uh, was working at the time as a ranger in the park, so we went there. And also Legion Park, Morningside Park, Enchanted Forest Park, and Hollywood Beach Boardwalk. So I had told people, you can choose any place you want. Like I thought they might choose a back their backyard <laughs> or someplace like that. But it was really interesting to me that they all chose these very public um, kind of parkland or public space. And I think that just speaks to how important it is that we have public land that people can go to that's not, you know, privatized, that, that, is, that is designed to be for public recreation or, or enjoyment. Um, and we could, I would, I would love to have more of that. Here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A uh, place that's readily accessible for the people. Yeah. For yeah, the community. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so let's talk about the details of the project itself. Uh, so let's say you go to, I don't know, um, Biscayne National Park, right? And you want to listen to that particular story. Um, describe how the AR, the augmented reality works. I get to the park and then what, what happens? Right. So the thing I love about AR, augmented reality, is that you just need a phone or a mobile device to use it. Like you you probably have heard of VR and it, it requires a headset and um, you'd have to buy that headset and it would be separate or like there are some headsets that are cardboard. But what I love about AR is it's really accessible to people. So anyone with a smartphone or a mobile device can use it. Um, the, the platform I'm using is free. Um, so you would, Go to the link that uh, hosts this project, which I can share, um, and it will ask you to download the app. But so that's like the maybe the biggest hurdle is just downloading the app, <laughs> and then uh, you'll need to get to the park. So if we're going to Biscayne National Park, um, you need to find your way there. Uh, so this audio is actually located at the visitor center because what's interesting about Biscayne National Park is it's mostly an underwater park, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's most of the territory that it covers is underwater hmm. and only some of it is on land. And what was interesting um, when Blanche was talking about this place was that she had never been on the water at the park, but it was really important to her that there was this small you know, place that she could go to with her uh, friends and hang out. 
and um, it was close to, you know, she could get there easily as a high schooler. But so when you get there, back to the <laughs> getting to the uh, audio, uh, once you're standing in the right place, the audio starts to play. So you'll see on the map inside of the app that you're like inside the boundaries of where it will trigger. So it's using the GPS on mm. your phone to trigger the audio. So if you step into that zone, it starts to play. But if you if you walk away from the zone, like if you drive away from the park, it, it fades won't. away. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And, and just for folks to understand the differences between virtual reality is virtual reality essentially creates a simulated environment. AR, uh, the technology is interacting with the nature. And by virtue of you holding that phone, you're also interacting with the nature. It's this right. symbiotic relationship between technology and nature. Right, right. I'm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of the appeal for me is that it's not um, trying to take you away or make like give you an escape from something or create an environment that's uh, like closed off from the world. But that because I want people to be connecting with the land and the water and the environment around us, AR is a really great technology to do that because you're still in you're in and of that place. But you're also the art is with you on that the device that you're holding. So we're often when we're on our devices, we're kind of like thinking about that person we're texting or or looking at a video and thinking about whatever the content is, and we're we're lost in that world and we get distracted. But this the AR is like a layer, like a window that you're looking through to something else. And uh, let's talk about some of the conversations. One of my favorite memo um, is titled Leaving. Uh, quote, I want to set up my roots somewhere that is stable. Developers come here and suck it dry. We played that clip. Um, yeah. t tell me about some of the responses, particularly this response from this person. Yeah, so this was a big part of the theme of that that kind of came up in a lot of the conversations. Um, that was a quote by Yanisi Reyes. And um, Yanni, you know, everyone I interviewed grew up and grew up here in South Florida. Um, I was looking to interview people in their early 20s because I really wanted to understand more about what it meant to be someone who is living here, but also like dealing with all the challenges of like precarity and uh, the difficulties of like fi being financially stable as a young person is already real for everyone. But then um, there's so many like intense stress stressors here. And so this came up a lot um, in terms of like thinking for young people thinking about the future. What mm. does it mean to, to feel like maybe you can't put make your roots here because even though you want to even though you would like to and you have that desire um it seems almost it, it seems impossible and so that uh yanni wasn't the only one who brought that up and it was a part of the theme around environmental issues because it's not only the financial part but also like the environmental part and then there's an intersection with those it's like how do we see all these people building all these condos and development on the water? And yet we kind of we know that things are changing and that 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 those places are um, under threat uh, often dur during storms. So, yeah, that came up a lot 
I'm here with Foresta Tusi. They are Miami-based interdisciplinary artists who recently launched an interactive audio project called Voice Memos for the Future. And they're discussing why six Miami residents shared stories and thoughts about the future. Foresta, these conversations have been absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to start at a particular park in Miami. I live in Palm Beach, but I got to trek down and figure out which park I want to start off first. Um, But... How has this project allowed you to connect to South Florida on a deeper level? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I came here about six years ago, and for me, I've just spent a lot of that time just really trying to connect, as you were saying. And this was really special for me because um, I got to talk to people who've grown up here and to hear from them what their concerns are. And it was interesting because I also teach um, people around the same age group, but we don't necessarily have those opportunities to talk about these kind of somewhat heavy issues around what the future holds. Um, And I really felt like that was that was an exciting time for me to just really get into some some stuff around feelings and emotions about just being a person in the in a very um, intense world. <laughs> There's so <Yeah>. <laughs> many things that that are hard to deal with, and sometimes we try not to um, reveal that we feel vulnerable or anxious about about these things. But even though you know, I'm not from the same necessarily from the same generation. Like we shared those anxieties, we shared those feelings, and I really wanted like. I wanted a place to, you know, I'm, it was like a way of processing that within a group and that, and I, and one of the people during the workshops brought up this, this idea that they were, you know, this um, comment that they had never had a chance to talk to other, uh, others of their peers about these things. And so I, I wanted to hold a space for that to happen too. Yeah, it's fascinating you say that, that across generations we share these anxieties but there is like a sentiment from younger folks who feel as though older peers don't share the sentiments especially when it comes to housing right you have like the the boomer who says oh i bought my home for eighty thousand dollars how come you can't buy a home you know and are um to some extent detached from the economic realities on the ground um like do you feel that disconnection or do you feel as though um, there is room for this new found connection between older peers and younger peers to express these anxieties together. Yeah, I do think there is some truth to that, that um, as, you know, I'm, I'm eight, we are all aging. We're all, you know, every day we're getting yeah. older. <laughs> but I do think that it's, uh, there is a sense that sometimes um, people who are, who are feeling more stable in their life that they might not remember or even be able to empathize with like um, how hard it, it is and, and, and even maybe how much it's changed to, to come of age. Um, anyway, I just, I just think that even if it's always been the case this way, but like, I think that there is um, something really valuable in, cross-generational connection Hmm. that we have a lot more in common even though there are ways that we've experienced life differently or see things differently 
I think we have actually much more to connect over. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I forgot to ask you earlier, um, uh, how'd you come to Miami? Oh, um, I came here for my job at FIU. I'm an associate professor in the art and art history department there. So, um, yeah, I was living in Chicago and then I was applying for jobs, <laughs> new job, and I ended up here. And so so you ended up in South Florida, which is for a lot of folks who live outside of Florida, they feel like this is a dream spot to be, but are disconnected from the anxieties on the ground. <laughs> um, and so uh, does Miami feel like home to you now? Yeah, it does, actually. Um, I still, you know, I still miss other places. I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, and I think every place I've lived is very important and special to me. But um I really feel good when I'm coming back here. I love living near the ocean. Um, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, so I'm kind of, um, and I'm just like, I love the water. Um, oh, so Chicago by way of Virginia Beach. Oh, I, I can list other places, some <laughs> other places I've been. But I think that's, maybe that's a big part of um, how I come to do so many artworks that have to do with place or connection to a place because, um I have lived in lots of places and you really have to get you have to ha build up your skill around like con making those roots quickly um, because maybe you won't have that much time there. And um, I think, um, yeah, it just feels like uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of things that I really care about here. And, and a lot of those are actually the natural environment that's here that's so different from the rest of United States. Uh, you make a really good point. We have that in common. I lived in many places and have certainly had to create community, create my village in every single place that I visited. And to your point also, uh, interacting with the different physical environments, cold weather versus warmer climate. We don't even have seasons down here. Uh, I'm sure it's quite difficult for folks like yourself to get used to at first. Um, but let's talk about your project, sure. uh, your interactive audio project uh, obviously shows a deep appreciation for nature. What was your relationship to nature growing up? Um, you know, I I feel like there are a lot of different threads that come up. Like I grew up in mostly suburban, urban environments. I have a early memory of, um, you know, my my family was living in Baltimore at the time in this kind of like housing compound where the all the kids would go out and play in the middle of this courtyard and. We, I just have this memory of picking um, rose petals and smashing them and trying to make perfume <laughs> um, and things like that. Or like honeysuckle, uh, we would pick the honeysuckle and like taste the nectar of the honeysuckle and so, or forage um, mulberries. So there was a lot of like interaction with plants in this way that I, I didn't really think was so impactful. It feels like something that um, many, many young people kids would have those kind of experiences of play outdoors or or you know climbing trees swinging swing, swing sets that are hanging from trees um and do you think that tangible experience with nature influenced your art anyway yeah so i didn't really think of myself as some kind of like an necessarily a having that, those specific nature connections or I didn't study biology or things like that. Like it was over time that I started to realize 
uh, that this was really important to me and that I wanted to work harder to be outside, to, to think about environmental issues, um, taking that, that the, the, the real ch um, challenges of climate change like seriously as a, as a big theme in my work. I hadn't been doing that before. Um, my mom is a big gardener, and I wasn't really involved with that when she, I was growing up with her. But now I, it's really important to me. <laughs> so it's kind <laughs> of like it takes time. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to come back to what's like, you know, it was always there, and I didn't really see it. I was almost, you know, the, there's a thing called plant blindness. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard that. Yes, I have. Yes, <laughs> and I feel like there's that sense of like, Sometimes I, f I feel like maybe as I was growing up, I had this kind of bl nature blindness. And then I, 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 I purposefully was like, no, I want to turn that turn on. on. I want right. to like put shine a light on that in my life. That horticultural literacy. W yes. Were you blinded by the plants that your your mother was cultivating in her garden? Were you just not interested? What, what was she I was she just planting? not even paying attention at all. <laughs> I wouldn't like you could t ask me anything and I would have just been like, I don't know what's going on over there. Well, well, and now well, I'm obsessed with like you know learning from her or or finding out more like she has been planting a lot of trees mm. um so yeah i think it's 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 a choice we have to make about what we pay attention to and um at some point as i as i was coming up as an artist i was thinking like there's so many things you can make work about mm. and this seems to be like one of the most urgent issues of our time and you know where can I put my my energy in terms of what my work is about and also realizing that I was you know I teach digital art um, and I was spending a lot of time in front of the computer and my body was feeling the effects of that and I was thinking like I really want to find ways to counteract that and it really does feel better when I'm when I'm outside and mm. connecting with the world and I think one of the um, interviewees talks about that too uh, Keja mentions that you know it doesn't matter what you're into there's some way you can connect it to to being outside yeah and being intentional like you said right mm -hmm. to look, turn that switch on you don't have to wait for it to be automatic you yeah. can be intentional uh, mentally about it yeah um, we talked about my plant wives earlier and I was quite intentional about having plants in my surroundings so I can just have greenery around yeah. as a way to remind me that nature is outside right. you know um, and so you have some interest or experience in horticultural therapy uh, can, can you describe what that experience is like? Yes. Yeah, so horticultural therapy is uh, a modality of therapy that uh, that asks um, people to work with plants and do horticultural activities as a form of therapy, whether it's maybe they're um, trying to do some physical rehabilitation or there there's some cognitive issues that, that they're dealing with the horticultural therapist will work with them to use the skills of horticulture um, and gardening as a way of um, achieving their goals um, so there are many different forms of it but I got into it because I had a, someone who was very close to me in my life who was dealing with severe mental health issues and we were outside just weeding in the garden and I was just like oh they're having a you know they're really having this intense experience right now um, 
you know, they were in a very bad place and we were weeding and I could see that like, wow, they're, they're, their mood and their um, effect, they're, they're just changing. Their behavior is, is calming down a little. And it's like really, if it, I could see the change in them very, very drastically, just as a, as a part of the fact that we were working um, the garden. And this wasn't, the, this, this happened enough that I started noticing like, wow, this is good for them, right? right? Right. But also then I noticed it in myself. Like I was really, um, depressed for a period and I was basically in the garden a lot uh, working in the garden and feeling like that was that was my therapy that was part of my therapy. did you immediately know that it was therapeutic as you were going through it or did you also have to be intentional about thinking about how this is therapeutic yeah I don't think I knew that I didn't it wasn't something I was aware of in that I was just seeking it out and um it was only late, like later that I started to reflect on how much time I had spent there and what it was, how it felt versus how I felt at other times. And I was like, oh, that's really important for me to, to have in my toolkit of um, so-called self-care, like to remember, you know, uh, that that is a place working with plants is actually, you know, the, the a big principle of it is that like caring for, for other beings, in this case plants, um, also brings awareness for how you care for yourself, right? So if I don't, if I don't take care of this plant, it's kind of relying on me to take care of it and I can't neglect it or let it down. And I, I, I can apply that to my, to myself as well. Like, okay, I have to like work on taking care of myself too. <laughs> I, I went through the same thing, you know, you, um, for me again, it's the beach, it's my feet literally touching the sand. Yeah. Uh, and it's a reminder that we're animalistic, that we're supposed to do this as as primates, <laughs> as human beings. We're right. supposed to go through this. Um, th- this is this is this is absolutely wonderful. I'm here with Faresh Tatusi. They are Miami based interdisciplinary artist who recently launched an interactive audio project called Voice Memos for the Future. And they're discussing why six Miami residents shared stories and thoughts about the future. But we've also been talking about how therapy and touching plants and sand and the beach, how all of that actually helps us mentally and physically. Um, Prior to this break, we discussed horticultural therapy. I want to also talk about forced bathing. Can you describe what that is and do you partake in it? <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, forest bathing uh, is also known as forest therapy. Um, it came out of a practice from Japan that started in not that long ago, in the 1980s. Um, in Japan, they refer to it as shinin-yoku, uh, which literally means like... Um, exposing yourself to the atmosphere of the forest. And so the idea is that spending time in forested areas is good for us. Um, that's, that's all it is. And um, scientists there were prescribing some of the, or not scientists, doctors there were prescribing their patients to go on walks uh, because they were super stressed out. They had these like really intense corporate jobs and they were seeing like very high levels of stress in their patients. And they said, look, you can go on this walk. And um, they did 
do uh, studies to measure their blood pressure and heart rate, and and they could they could measure like uh, real effects, real changes in the the physical body. Um, so this practice came to the United States and uh, was kind of named forest bathing, forest therapy. I have been trained as a forest bathing guide. Ooh, yes, I might have, I have to take a, some lessons. I have a certificate. Uh, Where that, do you get a certificate for that? There are several. There are a couple, a few organizations now that are offering it because it has, you know, this. Um, I'm really, I am interested in the connections of wellness and uh, nature, clearly, but uh, other people are as well. And so people are seeking out these other uh, modalities. And so I did a training at Morton Arboretum, which is uh, in um, Chicago, and uh, it was very intense. And then we had to do a practicum afterwards, and I had to do guided walks as part of my practicum. So I do offer guided walks from time to time. I usually wait until winter in Miami. Winter <laughs> uh, yes, in Miami. <laughs> right now, when it's getting a little uh, like less intense outside because um, basically a, 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 the American style forest bathing walk is usually around three hours long. And it, it's, it's, it uses the word walk, but you're actually not walking that far. You're moving really slowly and taking time to con like reflect and consider your own um, interaction and your sensory, uh, your feelings and senses in the environment. So I can take you on a forest bathing walk and we might only go a few hundred feet, hmm. <laughs> but we have really taken our time to give attention to that that world that we're right, in, right. and it's, so it's 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 always coming back to that sense of like attention and where we're putting it, and um, how we can, uh, you know, the 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 saying around forest therapy is that the I'm not the therap I'm not a for I'm not a therapist I'm not trained as a therapist it's the forest who is providing mm, therapy. <laughs> I like that. I like mm. that. And, and how do we start if we want to forest bathe? Someone is listening to this show right now and they're like, you know what? I had a stressful week. I had a stressful month. I had a stressful year. I need to find some sort of alternative, natural way to relieve some of the anxieties that I'm feeling right now. How would they start? Yeah. I think the biggest, uh, the biggest, the, the first step and the, the biggest hurdle to things like this is just making the time to do it. So putting aside that time for yourself, even if it's like 15 minutes to step away from whatever is um, taking your, you know, maybe you're at work and you just need to step away. <laughs> and um, I recommend trying to, you know, you can do these kind of practices, these nature connection practices, even in your own yard, but not everyone has a yard. Um, so finding a place that feels like a, a step away that al also gives you a sense of being um, with some natural environment that um, calls to you. So we don't have uh, as many forested areas in South Florida. Um, many of them are under threat also from development, which yeah. came up earlier. <laughs> uh, but I like going to Matheson Hammock Park. Um, there's also Simpson Park downtown is really cool. It's so tiny, but it's like you can feel like you're in another world and there's condos all the way 
like you can see them, but you're you're not you're not a part of Brickell anymore. Mm. Um, or it could be the beach, um, or it could be even a lagoon in your subdivision. Like you know, we have these um, water water features in a lot of neighborhoods that are artificial, but they still give us that sense. Right. So just being there, spending a few minutes sitting quietly. Um, is the first step and also I if you feel comfortable I would recommend closing your eyes and trying to take in the environment through your ears and through your sense of touch through your skin how does the how does the air feel on your skin um, one of the other prompts I have is to taste the air mm. um, so, literally taste the air yes open your mouth and just taste the air smell smell whatever smells are coming to you so these are kind of the um the ways that i guide people of course it's it's kind of like yoga like you can do yoga on your own right you right. don't need a yoga instructor but if you've never done it before it's nice to go to a class and get some guidance um and get a pick quick up template some yeah exactly yeah, absolutely and, and you've worked on other projects that feature nature uh kayak specifically uh, a project you called Weird Miami Kayak Float and the Water Radio. Tell us about uh, those. Yeah, so Weird Miami is a series that is put on by um, BFI, which is a um, an arts organization in town run by Naomi Fisher. And they, they were hosting one of my kayak floats. And these kayak floats, uh, I, I was doing under a project called Water Radio. So I would... I take people out on the water on kayaks and I do this kind of nature connection work. Um, but instead of doing it in a in a tree environment, I go out on the water because that's what happened when I came down here. <laughs> I thought, wow, OK, there aren't a lot of big forests. And also it kind of gets really, really hot in the middle of the summer. So why fight it? Why not take my um, nature connection practice out onto the water? And so that's where the idea for the um, water radio came out, came about. So, um, yeah, I take people out on kayaks. Uh, we, I can't take a very big group, but a few kayaks at a time. And we go out as a little flotilla, like, so when we want to pause, we just hold on to each other's kayaks. And then I, I do a guided meditation out on the water. Oh, that sounds fun. I need to, are, and are you still doing it? Uh, I do it occasionally from time to time. Okay. I will let you know when I do the Oh, you better one. keep You're me invited. posted. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to find out. You better keep me posted. And, and so, um, you know, you, you we're, we're talking about outdoors uh, activities um how do you zen, how do you zen with that like it's it's a kayak it's moving are you searching for zen or are you searching for just being intentional in the kayak and just you're, you're sort of going with the flow of of nature whether it's zenful or, or not that is a good question um nature is not always uh peaceful or like gentle with people and there are like a lot of people who even being in a kayak for the first time can be very like a little bit scary. So um, I think it's really important to, to uh, find a sense of comfort and ease. And um, that's one thing I try to do when I first take people out. Um, you don't want to, I, I don't take people out on like choppy <laughs> waters or something <laughs> like we're going to be fighting the, fighting the current or something like that. Um, but yes, there is a sense of just like, 
a kind of acceptance or also like um, understanding that, you know, nature is not like a pristine idea of like perfection that there are there's going to be garbage in the water sometimes there's going to be mosquitoes there's going to be somebody having a party boat and all of that is a part of the environment we live in and we we it's not we're not there to like be judging that it's just kind of under you know being yeah connecting to all of that um in the in the recordings from voice memos for the future somebody mentions that they're like talking about how you know we can't fight it like there there are other people who are enjoying nature with us and we we have this like stereotype of like oh i'm gonna go out <laughs> and it's gonna be like there are no people it's just animals and plants but that's not really um it's not the case yeah no yeah <laughs> exactly and we share this this place with lots of beings absolutely and, and you you know you did a great job mentioning the challenges that may come with your attempt to find you know, a Zen and, and comfortability, but also allowing nature to just be nature. Uh, I interviewed a horticultural expert in Palm Beach County. Her name is uh, Anuela Alexand. And she talks about, and she also deals with a lot of gardens. And she talks about how the record-breaking heat during the summer made it difficult for natural outdoorsy people to be outside. This past summer, did you feel that sort of angst amongst people who are naturally outdoors, but it's feeling as though the heat was preventing them from finding that sense of peace outside? Yes, very much so. Like, you know, I think of the summer here as our our hibernation season, whereas like up north you try to stay indoors and it's like intense and frigid in the winter. Here it's the summer and it it's upsetting because I do like to spend time outdoors like when I'm when I'm up north in the winter, I might go ice skating. And in the summer here, I, I, I want to go swimming, but then I go to the ocean and it's like, it feels like a bathtub. <laughs> like it's so warm. And I do think that I'm not the only one who felt really that kind of um, sadness and kind of grief around the idea that like this planet is changing rapidly and you we are now we are really feeling it i mean a lot of people have been feeling it for a long time and the more privileged ones of us are now like really waking up to it but um i think it's very hard to um to feel like you don't have a lot you can do and so you know this came up in the workshops uh with the interviewees of voice memos for the future like it's not it's not just us as individuals who need to do change our individual behavior but that collectively we have to come together to uh, think about what needs to happen and to put pressures on the the people and the organizations and the corporations who have who are have all this power um, to look at something beyond their bottom line so that Ooh. did come up a lot in oh, the yeah. conversations. Let's stay on that theme. This idea that we are, as an American society, um, navigating rugged individualism uh, versus the need for a more collective society, the need to cultivate a village, and those two uh, dichotomy, like those two elements just aren't really matching at this very moment. Um, do you think there is, since we're having this conversation, not now, but just in general, I, I do feel as though the conversation surrounding individualism and collective society 
um, is is more accessible than it has been in the past. Uh, obviously, you need more political clout to have change and more influence or whatnot. But people are speaking up. Do you think there is a shift happening right now, especially through your audio project? Is there a shift? That's a really good question. Um, I like to I I sometimes feel like I'm a pessimist, but I want I really strive to uh, push back against that because that's what keeps us from doing things is feeling like, oh, it, it doesn't matter what I do or how I how I am because I have no I have no agency. And I don't believe that. I think that um, things collectively we can have a lot of power and I do feel like young people from like the the folks that I I work with um in the in the project and also like my students that there is that sense of possibility like that's always been the case like younger generations always have a sense of possibility it's when <laughs> it's it's like uh once we get older and more more um I think people get a little more conservative in their way of thinking about the world and what's possible for themselves. And I don't, I think we need to hold on to that sense of possibility. Absolutely. And, uh, and so just in terms of your project, how can we access the audio project? Um, so I made a little URL that would shorten the longer URL. It's tinyurl.com slash VMS for the number four, the future. Um, still not that short, but VMS is voice memos for the few VMs. <laughs> and we'll share it on a yeah, website. Thank for you. Sure. That would be oh, absolutely. <laughs> but you can go to that link and then that will take you to the page that uh, well, you, if you're on a computer, you'll see it come up, but you really need to need to be on a mobile device so that you can go to that place. Yeah. Uh, artists uh, typically work their hardest in moments where there is high anxiety, where there is a level of destruction happening in society. But to your point, you do have to have some level of optimism. How do you personally stay optimistic? Um, that is a good question. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of, you know, people are always talking about how social media is so distracting and there's so much terrible stuff out there. But I do feel like there are a lot of interesting scholars and philosophers and thinkers and writers who I read and I admire. I admire their fierceness and their sense of conviction. And um, sometimes I need that to to keep myself going, <laughs> to, to like be inspired by other people. And a lot of those people are not even famous. They're just my friends, you know. Um, so I think that's like I just always try to check in with other people like, hey, you know, you're getting into this other realm, like go check in with someone else. They might be in a different place than you. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, what's the saying? Check in on your strong friend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have to remind myself all the time as well. Uh, and I, I think as you get older, Sometimes you do get stuck in your ways, but I do. And that's what I meant by a shift happening just in terms of conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think you make a great point about being optimistic in light of things that may seem uh, that may make you want to be more pessimistic. Right. Um, there is comfort in, in misery <laughs> for a lot of folks. Um, Art Basel's right around the corner. Are you ready for it? 
I'm ready as I'll ever be, <laughs> I guess so. Um, it's interesting. I was talking to someone last night. Um, I was at the Oolite Media Salon um, talking about this project, and they were like, yeah, art, art Basel is like when the whole art world comes to your town and ignores you. <laughs> so that's how it feels sometimes. Well, I look forward to your audio project. Fresh Tutsi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. And that's Sundial for Thursday, November 30th. Leslie Ovaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of radio. Our engineer is Richard Ives. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Paolo at gopaolo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Search WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up next week, it's our winter membership drive, and we're revisiting some of our favorite Sundial conversations, like our conversations with Lazaro Mendez, the legend, DJ Laz himself. I'm Wilkin Brutus, and remember, stay hydrated.